There's something special about a crime-fighting duo, especially one that shouldn't be a crime-fighting duo, that really intrigues me. Watching a smart person be asked to help professional people to do their job is silly and kind of inspiring. It's kind of a fantasy coming true, being so good at something naturally that others ask you to do it, despite it not being your job. I think we'd all like to be discovered for that hidden talent, have our goodwill hunting moment. Last week, I talked about my favorite genre of television, which does just that. Something weird and a lady cop is someone who shouldn't be asked to solve crimes and make the world safer, but being tagged to do just that. I had a lot to say about it and why I love it so much. And it turns out, so did you. So let's talk about that. But first, disclaimer time! This is not a review show! This community is passionate, opinionated, highly subjective, and so many, 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 many times incorrect. We don't objectively weigh any piece of art on any merits. What we will do is argue about the things that make entertainment beautiful and share the art created for us to consume while we live our lives. Thank you for joining me because we will be discussing the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool, I'm the Urkel to everyone's Bill Murray. I've been broke in every sense of the word. And I, I keep chasing my next high score Issues galore, I'm a walking, talking magazine We all know that nobody reads What's the use in words when they don't even understand me Welcome to Discussing the Adventures We Have from Inside the House A podcast discussing entertainment, how and why we consume it, and how it shapes our lives And more importantly, a podcast that celebrates the things we like Even if nobody else does my name is Tim Riel, and together we are Nerd Incorrect, people who love entertainment of every kind and always seem to fall in love with the properties and art that don't always follow the crowd. I am going to start off with the praise, uh, because that's, uh, that's who I am. Uh, it makes me feel good when you guys listen to the podcast, and then you say, you know what, Tim, that didn't waste my time, because that is what entertainment is to me. I think that's the... I think that's the pinnacle of entertainment. When you are making something, that should be the goal you are trying to achieve. You may change the world, it may be groundbreaking, it may be silly, but at the very least, the only thing I think it has to do is not waste somebody's time. So to hear that so many of you listened to the podcast and didn't feel like your time was wasted uh, and that you enjoyed it, uh, that made me feel good. Uh, so uh, let's go through it. Uh, Stupid Monkey over on the Patreon said uh, it was a really good episode and his favorite part that got a legit... Uh, maybe? You know what? Yeah, let me just quote these. Stupid Monkey, quote, really good episode. My favorite part that got a legit out loud laugh was the, and I could go on, so I will, end quote. And uh, Stupid Monkey, thank you. I also really enjoyed that. Um. I'm not planning on putting a whole lot of jokes into these things. They're not my stand-up sets. These are these are my true thoughts on uh, something that I'm passionate about. Uh, but I I will <laughs> I can't 
when there's a joke to be had, uh, I'm going to put it in. And um, yeah, that one that one was really funny for me because uh, you're, you're always trying to balance. Are you going to do the rule of threes to get your example out? And so usually it would just be like, oh, this is the type of show and here are three examples of it. But I think my point being that there were so many that it could be its own genre I didn't think it lent itself to having just three examples because that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, it happened so much. And then you name three things and then you stop because those are the only three things. And so uh, (laughs) I wanted to make sure to really punch it home that there are a lot of these shows. And uh, and I'm glad uh, (laughs) I'm glad I got a laugh out of you because uh, uh, I thought it was a really funny way to make a list of about 20 properties uh, not boring to listen to. Uh, somebody else uh, over on uh, in the Discord, Good A, uh, wrote, uh, I'm three and a half minutes in, and I love your theme song. Uh, thank you, Good A. I didn't write the theme song. Uh, and also, I like that your comment was, I'm three and a half minutes in, and the only thing I like is the song. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, that song is incredible. Uh, that, of course, is the track Bill Murray by Double Experience. Double Experience, good friends of mine, good friends of Nerd Incorrect, good friends of the whole of the whole thing, uh, Brock and Ian are incredible uh, people, incredible human beings, and more importantly, incredible musicians. Uh, you should definitely check out Double Experience wherever you can. Find them on Spotify, and if uh, if you get the chance, see them live. They are uh, phenomenal. But um, they were gracious enough to allow me to use the track Bill Murray uh, for our theme song, uh, which is uh, in tone... Uh, and uh, and content uh, very much like Nerd Incorrect. It's about uh, being passionate and nerdy and cool, but not the coolest. Uh, we are the Urkel to everyone else's Bill Murray. Right now, uh, nerddom is on top of the world. Uh, they own pop culture. And even in that world, <laughs> we are slightly off to the left. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, good day. Uh, if you, obviously you've definitely already tracked down the song, you already know where it's from. But uh, just in case you don't, that is the track "Bill Murray" by the band Double Experience, and uh, I linked to them all over the place. They're linked in the description of this episode. So um, definitely uh, follow them on Spotify, and uh, thank you guys for uh, what is my favorite song right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the jam of the summer, guys, and uh, fingers crossed that this uh, helps broaden uh, broaden your appeal even more. Uh, I think it's an incredible song. I'm also over on the Discord. We've got B uh who said uh, I enjoyed it, and now I need to check out some of those shows. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that a lot of people pick up on the fact that uh, these uh, these types of shows exist. And uh, they are garbage, fluff, light entertainment. But I hope people see the hidden depths of it. Uh, The reason it seems fluffy and shallow is because people are going into it assuming they're going to get a murder mystery. Because, I mean, (laughs) that's what the show's about. The show's about murder and solving the murders or whatever it is. And uh, and when you're so used to watching uh, Law and Order SVU or or, uh, or or CSI or a show that really tries to get a good mystery out of it, uh, like Mayor of Easttown or something, uh, and then you watch these, you're like, well, this is just popcorn television. There's no depths here at all. 
but uh, hopefully, hopefully I've shown you that uh, it's because you're not looking in the right place. These shows are about uh, human relationships and uh, and how uh, people come together and how they relate to each other. Um, this isn't about personal growth. This is about the growth of community, family, friendships, and partnerships. Um, oh, Stupid Monkey again over on the Discord. Uh, Stupid Monkey said, uh, re-listened to Strange Thing in a Lady Cop Solve Crime episode again because it came up in my normal thread. And it's also a great second listen. It's better, in fact. I think because my mind had already absorbed the info from the first listen and all those mental gears clicking about the that's not a genre, oh, I guess it is, had already clicked. Now we need a Canadian comic slash part-time online game show host and a lady cop to solve crime. Do we know any Canadian comedians that host a part-time online game show that could fill the role? Uh, yes, I would absolutely love to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, uh, there's going to be enough crimes that uh, require uh, knowledge of code names and Twitch uh, to solve, but uh, <laughs> we could probably get four or five episodes out of it. <laughs> uh all right so we did all the uh we did a bunch of the praise not uh not all of it because obviously i don't want to <laughs> look i'm tooting my own horn enough as it is but uh I, those are the ones that uh that really uh that really got me and so thank you and uh because we just tapped ourselves on the back we're just patting our shoulders here uh we're gonna move right into the mistakes and omissions uh, Rowcliffe pointing out that I'm glad you mentioned The Finder, which was a spinoff of Bones, and it was a favorite of his, and he says that I didn't mention Remington Steele, which is a lady P.I. teamed up with the imposter Remington Steele, who she made up because people wouldn't hire a lady detective. Uh, I had this conversation with my mom as well. Uh, my mother agrees with you that uh, this would be perfect for uh, something weird and a lady cop solve crime. I don't know if it fits into that category because uh, simply because he doesn't help solve the crime. <laughs> uh, she is the crime solver, but she is not being taken seriously because she's a woman. So she just hires a man uh, to say the things that she tells him to say. Uh, that being said, uh, that is not always the case, and uh, there is a very good argument uh, to be uh, a very good argument could be put put forth that Remington Steele is indeed part of this, and uh, and because uh, because I like happy things and sharing things, uh, Rowcliffe, I am going to say that yes, if you and my mom believe that Remington Steele should be on the list, then gosh darn it. It's on the list. So, uh, Remington Steel, guys, check it out. It is now officially a Nerd Incorrect's list of something weird and a lady cop solve crime. Uh, Janathi pointed out, uh, also, I loved most of Sleepy Hollow, but it dropped off hard at the end. And then pointed out, quite correctly, uh, I said that Sleepy Hollow was the Headless Horseman and a lady cop solve crime, and Janathi pointed out it wasn't a lady cop solving mysteries with the headless horseman. She was solving them with Ichabod Crane, who last I checked still had a head, which is absolutely true. Uh, I did say the headless horseman and a lady cop solve crime, and it was Ichabod Crane, not the headless horseman. Uh, 
but the headless horseman and a lady cop self crime is funnier to say. And uh, so that's why it was in there like that. It was for the joke, but Jen, you are 100% correct. That is in that was an inaccurate statement of mine. The headless horseman does not solve any crimes, Ichabod Crane does. And she did point out that uh, Ichabod Crane ended up. Uh, casting a British guy to play Ichabod Crane because all of the American actors, when they had to say the things Ichabod Crane has to say, they sounded like morons. Uh, And so they needed a British accent to make them not sound dumb. Um, If there were other mistakes or omissions, they have not uh, been brought to my attention, uh, but those are the big ones. Um, So let's dig a little deeper. Stupid Monkey over on the Discord says, On the podcast note, I think you really nailed how proper use of a formula works, and more importantly, why we use said formulas in writing. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's one of the things that I'm really focused on. I love, I love script writing, and I love taking it apart, and I love storytelling and ways to tell stories and I'm a very, very big proponent of if you are going to do something, there needs to be a reason for it. Um, A lot of cinematographers talk like this too, where they're like, if you're cutting to an over-the-shoulder shot, there has to be a reason. If you're cutting to a close-up, it has to be for some purpose. You can't just say, oh, we've been on this shot too long, change the shot. Uh, Boredom of your shot is not... uh, not, an excuse. And I think it's the same way for script writing. If you are going to do something, have it do several things. I, If you have exposition, look, clearly you need to have somebody explain to the audience what's happening. But if you build a scene where someone is just saying out loud information that people need and then moving on because that was the purpose of the scene was to get that information out, it's a missed opportunity. You should be making... Uh, like some kind of a relationship building thing there, or it should be insight into the character in your exposition and not just having somebody <laughs> somebody barge into a hospital room and go, oh my God, is that my mother-in-law from my third marriage who just gave a kidney the other day because she, is that why she fell down from the kidney she donated to the orphan child? Uh, and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, obviously the writers needed us to know a lot of information really quickly, but I don't know anything about the person who ran into the room, nor the old lady, other than things she did, but I don't know what their motivations are, I don't know what their relationship actually is, I know that it's his mother, but are they in a good mother-son relationship, are they in a bad one, is it strained, what are the issues, nothing, nothing is there, it was just a scene to let us all know that she gave away a liver, it went to an orphan boy, that's his mother, she was in the hospital recently. They're like, that information needs to be said, but if you could find a way to make it also add layers to the scene, uh, that's what I want. So when we talk about uh, uh, script writing or anything like that, especially when it comes to something weird in a lady cop solve crime, the thing I like about it the most is that it's the fact that it's a focus on uh, relationships and the connectedness of people. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you really uh, enjoyed that. 
Then he goes on to say, uh, also, you're a bit off with Chekhov's gun from what I studied and learned in the past. The idea with that was if you shoot someone with a gun in Act 3, you need to introduce it in Act 1. You're talking about how everything must be relevant because there isn't room to waste, whereas the idea behind Chekhov's gun is that you can't have anything relevant come from nowhere. And that is absolutely true. Stupid Monkey has a point. Um, Chekhov's gun is much broader than what I said, uh, although both of those ideas are exactly the same. Um, So we're saying the same things. uh, We're just doing the two parts of it. So obviously, if a gun shows up, if you can solve the problem with a gun at the end of the show, uh, you need to have introduced the gun earlier in the show. Meanwhile, if anything at the beginning of the show happens, it has to play later. Uh, and, uh, so if something shows up in the first act, it needs to be there in the third act. Uh, you you can't just have it disappear. Uh, so we're talking about the same thing, but stupid monkey is absolutely correct that Chekhov's gun is slightly broader than what I said. And it is the, it, 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 it's, it encompasses both parts. So, uh, yes, stupid monkey, you're absolutely right. Janathi says, uh, so since part of your focus was that this uh, genre is about building relationships, it might be worth noting that Sleepy Hollow only survived one more season after the lady cop left the series. Take away the core relationship, and suddenly the audience is less invested in the show. Anyway, just a thought. That's what Jen said. And uh, you're absolutely right. And it's, it happens in a lot of shows. Uh, even uh, even if the actors' uh, relationships are strained, um, uh, Castle famously and rumored, because nobody's <laughs> nobody's going to admit to it, but uh, Castle fell apart uh, three seasons before it ended because the two main cast members uh, hated each other, and it got to the point where they didn't want to be uh, on stage uh, with each other. They didn't want to be in the same scenes. They didn't want to be on set. And so they would refuse to be on set unless they absolutely had to in the same scene, which is why in the later seasons, uh, one of them gets a job at the FBI and is gone uh, far away and only ever talks to Castle over the phone. Or Castle gets kidnapped and he's <laughs> we only see him in kidnap situations and never with his wife because she's searching for him because she doesn't know where he is because he's been kidnapped. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> that's when it started falling apart there because of the relationship was too weird and too strained. Uh, but yeah, even in Sleepy Hollow, if you get rid of that main person, then it's it's all over. It would be the same thing for in Lucifer. If either of them left, then, then nobody would care anymore. And that, again, is the danger you have when you make a television show that is about the relationship of people. When you're building a hero story, or if you're building an individual growth story, if you're if you're focused on an individual character's personal growth and their uh, their story and their arc, uh, then it doesn't matter if everybody around them drops off, goes in and out, because we all we really care about is that one character. Like if we were watching Breaking Bad, and Walter White uh, killed everybody, but we're still watching Walter White. The show would carry on because we would miss everybody else. Uh, like famously, Aaron Paul wasn't supposed to be in the show. And if he ever left, everybody would be upset. But the show wouldn't die because the show was never really about a relationship between characters. So we could still watch Walter White do his stuff and be sad that Aaron Paul's character is dead. But it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't change the show because that's not what the show is about. Whereas if you do this for any of our shows... 
for the shows that we're talking about. Again, like Castle or like Sleepy Hollow or like Lucifer. If that lady cop uh, disappears, then that's something weird. You have to you have to explain why they're still on the case. And uh, it just doesn't work. And the reason, again, that it doesn't work is that the story was about their relationship. So, what are you going to do? That's just the way it is. Uh, Stupid Monkey over in the Discord said, uh, even outside of the genre, you have to be careful when messing with main characters. It can be done. Uh, Due South, which is a Mountie and a dude cop solve crime. I'd like to point out that a Mountie is a dude cop, by the way. It's like, Mounties aren't something weird, but let's move on. Uh, and so when the cop guy left the show, the character was going undercover. He was replaced with a new, similar, but not quite the same cop. And a lot of shows are going to do this. If they're trying to replace a character, they try to find <laughs> replace them with a character that's very similar. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's like, why are you doing that? Uh, <laughs> just give, bring me someone who's uh, wildly different. Make it interesting. Uh, I don't want... <laughs> I don't want a 2.0 of, of the same character. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm watching a show right now uh, on BritBox, uh, which is an extra subscription fee on top of Amazon Prime. Uh, but I love, I love BritBox, and it's 50% off right now. And uh, so I'm watching a show called Death in Paradise. And uh, there's something the Brits have figured out, and I don't know how they do it, because uh, it's uh, they do it with Doctor Who, they do it with a couple of other shows, but more, uh, but more to my point, the show Death in Paradise uh, ran for ten seasons or is running currently in its tenth season, something like that. But um, oh, these might be spoilers because you guys are definitely not watching these shows. Um. You know what? Uh, I will let you know this, but I won't. I won't spoil uh, any of the reasons that they leave because uh, it's very well done and surprising. But you watch the show, and the first season is very, very, uh, very awesome because uh, you've got this uh, this cop who comes into this uh, this island <laughs> nation and uh, solves a solves a crime, and then he stays there, and he just becomes the crime solver there. And uh, obviously, because it's a resort and it's a TV show and it's a holiday island, uh, once a week, white people <laughs> go on vacation there and kill each other. And then the cop has to solve the murder. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird, uh, but I love it so much. It doesn't really fit into the uh, lady uh, something weird in a lady cop uh, genre because these are all police. This is more of a... Uh, I'm probably going to go into this. I think I might do an episode called the Sherlock syndrome because this this is the epitome of that. But um yeah, so he solves crime. Uh at the end of the second season, I guess the actor uh, left. And so we get a brand new main character. So imagine if you will, you are a fan of the show Monk, uh which is uh <laughs> which is about uh, uh, a detective, uh, uh, and it's about him, and he solves crimes with the police uh, and stuff. Uh, imagine if Monk decided to leave, and then we kept doing Monk. Like, that show kept going, even though Monk had left. Uh, the show Psych, which is one of my favorites. Uh, if Sean left, but you still kept doing Psych. Uh, that's what this show did, and 
it it they pull it off. They pull it off. They change the main character and nothing else about the show. <laughs> and it still works. And uh, I know there is at least three actors who play the main uh, role. Not the main character, obviously. It's different characters. This isn't a Doctor Who thing where they're all still the Doctor. Uh, but I know that they, at the very least, uh, swap in three actors. And it may be more. Uh, the only reason I know that is I'm in season six right now. And obviously, this was another actor. Oh, no. this is there's, Yeah, there's definitely four actors that do this. Uh, there's four. One, two, three. So I'm on the third one, and Amazon Prime uh, is weird, and so it advertises season 10 to me while I'm on season 6, and the thumbnail has a different actor as the uh, main cop. So minimum, there are four actors who are the main characters in this, and they, and they make it work. They pull it off, and, uh, and but again, those are not about the interrelationships of people. This is about a singular person, and we're going to see that person grow. And uh, so, yeah, uh, that's why it worked in Two South, uh, because that's the show was about a person, not about a relationship. And uh, something fun happened on the Discord uh, when we started talking about this type of stuff. Uh, the Discord <laughs> got a little bit weird, and they started doing a bit, and uh, <laughs> they've decided they're going to write... Uh, something weird in a lady cop solve crime. And uh, it's going to be a lady cop and a 2,000-year-old guy in a cave who may or may not be Jesus solve crime. And uh, I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I, I'm not... I think Janathi came up with it, but Stupid Monkey and Janathi just kept going back and forth on this. And so, yeah. <laughs> so here are the rules, apparently. Uh, for uh, Jesus, uh, oh no, possible Jesus, possible Jesus and a lady cop solve crime. Uh, Janathi says the Jesus type character needs to be hot because the lady cop can only work with a hot guy. Stupid Monkey points out that the rules for the show should be, okay, maybe Jesus needs to be hot for show reasons, but he definitely needs to be a brown person to piss off a lot of the stupid people and racists. Uh, and he should also ambiguously be potentially gay uh, and speaking specifically to the fact that he had 13 followers uh, who were dudes, and uh, he only had one female friend. Uh, and he was... <laughs> and have the character be notoriously bad at carpentry. And what is most important is throughout the show, it should never be possible to confirm that, G that this is Jesus or that it is not Jesus. It needs to be, you need, the writers need to thread that needle so fine that you can never know, I think he's Jesus, is basically what, uh, what it's going to be. Uh, I have no idea what you would call that show. Um, Jesus and the Lady Cops Off Crime. Maybe Miracle Man? Uh, that's, no, that sounds like a show from the 90s. I wouldn't call it Miracle Man. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, <laughs> leave a comment on what you think the Jesus and a Lady Cop Solve Crime uh, episode should be called. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. Uh, <laughs> what? What? Yeah. 
a lot of biblical crimes being solved, uh, <laughs> water being turned to wine, crimes being solved. Uh, we catch one of the bad guys uh, when <laughs> the Jesus character runs across water. Uh, <laughs> he brings somebody back from the dead to uh, <laughs> to give witness. Who knows? Who knows? It could uh, it could be very very fun. And uh, oh god, what? Yeah, we got to sit down and write that. Uh, which uh, which brings me to the fact that I uh, I've I haven't been able to make this work, but I have been working on a. Uh, basically, it's a sketch because uh, I don't know if I could make an actual short film out of it or even an episode of television or even like a series. But I want to make a show that is somebody who is hyper aware of how a something weird and a lady cop solve crime story is written and a lady cop solve crime. And so he is hyper aware that he is in a show like this. And so he helps solve all the crimes because he knows how it all works. Uh, and all the other characters in the show thinks he's an insane person who's crazy, who's pretending to like know the future or, or stuff. And, uh, and just have like these moments where <laughs> three minutes into the, to the show... Uh, they're questioning somebody and then that person's cousin comes in from the kitchen and starts asking questions and then leaves. And then the something weird goes, oh, by the way, that's the murderer. And they're like, huh? Like, we don't even know that person. That person wasn't even anywhere near the body. Say, like, no, no, I know, but I kind of like, I've seen her before. And uh, also she came in while we were questioning our first suspect and then disappeared. We probably aren't going to see her for a while, but she's definitely the murderer. Uh, and then later on, uh, the next time we see her, he'll be like, uh, see, she's writing with her left hand. Uh, just all sorts of every trope that, uh, that is in these shows, uh, uh, <laughs> we could write, uh, a part of it. Uh, the, the way he flirts with the lady cop is just by, uh, just by matter of factly saying, uh, look, we're going to probably end up getting at least engaged. Uh, we are definitely going to have a very long relationship. And she's like, oh, no, never. And he's like, no, no, not now, but it's going to be weird for a while. But at, eventually we're going to get together. And that's just, that's just how it works. It's not me. That's just how, that's just how these things work. Uh, but like I said, I've been, <laughs> I mean, it's been in my head. I've written down little bits of it, and it makes me giggle. But uh, uh, being able to fully form the skeleton of it into something that I think would be shootable and funny and make sense, uh, that hasn't come together. So uh, between the two of us, uh, we will figure it out. Uh, we will either have Jesus and a lady cop solve crime or somebody who knows they're in <laughs> that kind of a show and a lady cop solving crimes. Um, we do have one last question. I saved it for the end because this is uh, the one that uh, probably should have been in the other episode. Um, but as I explained uh, in the intro, I don't do review shows. Uh, I don't do reviews. I feel to do reviews well, you need to uh, look at at least some of it objectively. And that's not fun for me. I don't like objective viewing of things. I like having hard opinions. Thank you very much. And so 
yeah, uh, I, there wasn't going to be any reviews or recommendations uh, other than uh, I love things, and uh, if you think you might love it too, you should check it out. But that's as far as I'll go with recommendations. But Brock, uh, from Double Experience, uh, Brock uh, wrote in and said, uh, you list a bunch of shows that fit the genre, and then you talk about why that genre is different, but you don't say which ones are the best. If I've never seen a show like this, where should I start? And that's a good question. Um, when I talk about this with uh, with my friends, some of them will point out that they've never even given a show like this a chance because it seems so dumb. They don't want to watch these shows. Um, and I'm like, I get that. I absolutely get that. Because they are dumb. Like, like let's let's... Let's not beat around the bush. I am not saying these are high quality. This is not the pinnacle of television here. Uh, it is my favorite genre because it is like a hug for me. Uh, watching these shows is warm and familiar and fun. And they make me happy. Uh, they are in no way good television. Uh, some episodes are very, very good. And some shows start off really good. Like if you want to... Get, if you want to get eased into the silliness of this genre, but you want to start from somewhere that you can really, really deal with because it's a little bit more serious and a little bit uh, more what you're used to, um, then I think the best place to start would be a show like The Mentalist. The Mentalist starts off, uh, its uh, first episode is, is quite dark. Uh, it's uh, a little bit more edgy and it takes itself very seriously and the characters are very sharp and uh, and the humor that comes at all is simply uh, manufactured by the main character because he's charming uh, but it is not it is not played for comedy it is uh, it, it, it has parts about serial killers and uh, some pretty gruesome stuff. And so the first season of that is a good way of uh, weaning yourself into it because uh, it starts off like a regular cop procedural in tone and uh, and character. Um, like most shows, and I'm not even just this type of show, like most shows, uh, you'll have someone who had the idea. They're the show runner. They're the head writer, something like that. And they'll have written the first five or six episodes. And then a writer's room will write the mid uh, the mid season episodes, uh, and so you'll you can see at the beginning of the show who wrote the episode, and you'll notice that it's like uh, the executive producer will also have written it, kind of thing, and then that name will change uh, around episode five or six, and uh, and then you, they'll come back and they'll write the last two or three uh, episodes of the season, and that is the big uh, cliffhanger season ender it's the person whose idea it was who knows exactly what's going on the person who's leading the show in the direction uh, and where the story should go uh, they're writing that at the end so if ever you're watching a show and you're like man i didn't really like the middle of the season um one it is uh <laughs> people who don't have a full grasp of the uh of the show necessarily they're definitely not in charge and uh, it's usually a writer's room, so this is where you would give a, an apprentice or somebody you're mentoring a chance at writing the story. And so uh, it's going to be less less good 
and so you can see this a lot in The Mentalist. Uh, it dips in the middle, and uh, for that reason, and also because because the it's not being written by the main person, you can't make permanent changes. You can't kill off characters. Uh, you can't um, uh, start relationships uh, that change uh, how characters see each other. Unless, because the showrunner is taking care of all of the major stuff. So you'll notice that any episode where something like that happens, uh, it's resolved by the end of the episode. Because you can't make any changes that aren't made by the showrunner. This is a tangent I went on just to say that uh, watch The Mentalist if you're into uh, the regular gritty stuff uh, and you want to wean yourself into this. If, however, you want to just have the best example of this, uh, I used it in the uh, in the episode last week for this reason. Castle is hands down uh, the best example of this uh, type of show. Uh, it has exactly what you're looking for. They build so many relationships between so many people, and uh, and it's and it's fun and it's light and it's good. And when they finally start putting people in danger. It's realistic danger. You feel for people. And it doesn't really jump the shark until like the fifth or sixth season. And so you got quite a ways to go before it starts to really disappoint you. Uh, Castle, I think, is the easiest way into this genre. But my favorite of the genre. If I had to watch only one forever. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. If I had to only watch one of these types of shows forever, it would be the show Forever by <laughs> starring Owen Grafo, who is, by the way, uh, I will watch anything that guy's in. Uh, he's incredible, but it's uh, that's the one about uh, he's an immortal who uh, can't be killed. Every time he's killed, he uh, <laughs> he wakes up. Uh, coming out of the water in the East River uh, of New York, and uh, I think I think it's New York. It doesn't matter. He's in the river. He like he dies, and then he he's he's naked in the river. He just he just uh, he breaks the surface, and uh, and because it got canceled because nobody was watching it except me, uh, we never really get to know why. But um, he uh, yeah, he's an immortal, and uh, he's been around for a while. I think like since the 1700s or something. Which is hilarious because I think Ian Griffo's uh, like breakout role was as uh, Horatio Hornblower, which is in that set in that time period. So it's kind of like a continuation. It's like, what if Horatio Hornblower was a mortal? Uh, and then for some reason, I guess he got bored and he liked learning things. And uh, I guess when you're that old, you learn more stuff and you need something to pass the time. So by the time the show starts. He's a medical examiner. He's a coroner. He's the guy that does autopsies. Uh, and also, he's an immortal. Uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. And like I said, anything with Owen Griffo in it, I will watch to death. And so that's my favorite. Um, you can't find it anywhere. It is not on streaming services. Uh, it is not. I think the only way to watch it, and I'm not even sure this is true. I didn't even Google this. Uh, I don't think, I think you may be able to buy it on Amazon or something like that, but uh, you, it is not on any streaming service, which makes me sad. Uh, I was hoping Disney might pick it up because if I, I might be wrong, but I think it's ABC. 
And so ABC is owned by Disney, and Disney does Hulu and Disney Plus Star, or whatever the hell it's called. And uh, that usually has the ABC shows on it. So maybe it's coming, maybe it's not. Uh, but that is my favorite show. Uh, also, if you're not sure who Owen Griffo is, um, you know in the movie Titanic, at the end, uh, after Jack is frozen to death on the door, and then there is a one boat who decides to go back and look for survivors because the captain of that one uh, of that one boat says, uh, we can't just leave. We need to see if anybody else is alive. And they go back, and he's heroic, and he's the one who finds uh, Kate Winslet's character. That's Owen Griffo. That's him. Um, right now, you can see him in a show called Harrow. H-A-R-R-O-W. The first two seasons are available on Disney Plus Star because it was an ABC show out of Australia. And uh, they are supposedly shooting the third season. But it is so good. So, so good. You guys need to see Harrow. And also, like I said, Owen Griffo is one of those actors that I will just watch anything he's in. Uh, also, if you want to Google him, Owen uh, it must be Welsh or something because uh, his name is spelled so weird. Uh, I, I think I have it spelled right here, but it's I-O-A-N and then G-R-U-F-F-A-U-D. Owen Griffo. Uh, so there you go. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, those are all the things that you guys were saying over in uh, the Discord, over on the Patreon uh, and all of those places, and uh, I'm really glad you enjoyed the show, and I'm really glad we had to have this talk, and I certainly hope uh, that uh, you all come back in two weeks' time and talk to me some more about next week's episode. Our theme music is provided by Double Experience. You can find the track Bill Murray everywhere you get music. The content that allows me to make this podcast is provided by my supporters at patreon.com slash nerdincorrect and on Discord and all over the socials. If you support us on Patreon, thank you. If you want to be part of that club, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdincorrect where you get early access to all of our podcasts, an exclusive podcast, and so much more. You can also join our Nerd and Correct Discord server, The Incorrection, or subscribe to the YouTube channel by searching for Nerd and Correct. If you want to continue contributing to the podcast, make sure to catch next week's episode of The Adventures We Have from Inside the House, and then drop your thoughts into our podcast-specific Discord channel or comment on the Patreon post of that episode. All comments on the Patreon will be featured, and if possible, all of the Discord comments too. I'm Tim Riel. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week as we explore the adventures we have from inside the house. I'm uncool. I'm the uncool to everyone's bill. And that's all right with me. Because I'm a walking, talking magazine. We all know that nobody reads But what's the use of words when nobody understands me? What's the point of trying to be someone that I can't be?